Welcome to the Drive Deeper Podcast, where we gather together on your morning commute to dive deeper into the scripture and give you a word to meditate on the rest of the day so that you can walk closely with the Lord during your busy week. So this morning, our study is going to be in Jeremiah chapter 12. So we see a shift in the way that Jeremiah is speaking here. Much of the book thus far has been him recording the words of the Lord to the people. There hasn't been a whole lot of Jeremiah speaking uh, from himself or concerning his own thoughts, uh, but we see that here. And so this is, this is really cool. Um, And Jeremiah asks a question that maybe we would phrase a little bit differently today, but it's a question that so many people want an answer for. Why do bad things happen to good people? Now, Jeremiah asks it from the other perspective. He says, why do the wicked prosper? Why do they continually live in this land in sin and you you haven't brought judgment upon them yet? Lord, how long is this going to continue? How long are you going to let them continue on like this? Why is it that these people aren't suffering, but, but I am? So let's read these couple verses because I think this is relevant in our world today. People are confused. They don't understand this. And so when we're asked this question as believers, there's one route we could take. We could say, well, nobody in this world is good. Therefore, bad things don't happen to good people. And theologically, that's true, but we know that's not actually what people are asking. What they're asking is, why does it seem like people who are the most wicked, they're not the ones that suffer the most? Why is it the people that really try to live their lives well are the ones who seem to have the hardest time on earth? And Jeremiah wonders the same thing here. So Jeremiah chapter 12, he says this, he says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far in their heart. But you, O Lord, know me, you see me, and test my heart toward you. So Jeremiah starts at the right place. We need to understand first and foremost who God is before we can get to any sort of solution in understanding why it seems like the wicked get away with things, why the wicked prosper, why the treacherous do okay. The first thing that we have to understand is that God is righteous. He always does what is just. He always does what is holy. He is pure and blameless in his judgment. He has never made a mistake and he never will. We have to get that right because if we don't start from that point, 
really will never be able to understand what we go through in this world. We'll never be able to have a biblical answer if that is not at the center point of our thinking. David explains it this way. In Psalm 22, starting in verse 1, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groanings? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted, and they were not put to shame. So David's suffering, he doesn't understand it. It feels like the Lord has abandoned him. But he says, yet, despite all of this, despite what I'm experiencing, you are holy and you are worthy of my trust because your track record, your resume shows yourself to be perfectly trustworthy, perfectly holy and righteous and just. So we have to start there. Because this is always true, even when life does not make sense. The second thing we see is that David is bringing his complaint to the Lord. He, he doesn't understand. Now, this is not like a nagging, complaining, and it's not uh, charging the Lord with wrongdoing or questioning him or his character. But Jeremiah says, you know, here, here's the cards that I'm seeing laid on the table, Lord. I'm going to bring my complaint to you because it doesn't make sense to me that all of these people who hate you and have rebelled against you are the ones who are prospering in Israel right now. I don't understand it. Why do you allow this to happen? That's a question. That's not questioning him. We see this throughout the Psalms, especially. This is the language of lament. And this is helpful to know that we can come before God and pray in this way to say, God, why is this happening? I I don't understand this. How long is this going to continue? Lord, when will you answer my prayers? This is voicing our confusion, voicing our lack of understanding, looking for his guidance. And typically in the Psalms of Lament, what will then happen is that the psalmist will recall what God has done before, will call him to act again, and then move toward trust and saying, I know you're going to come to my aid. I know this isn't going to last forever. In the next portion of verse 1, we see that he says, Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. So he says, I I just don't get it, Lord. You know, we're living in a time of, of spiritual decline. People could care less about you, and yet it seems like they're doing okay in life. I just don't know how this formula works together. Why does that make sense? Why is it this way? I think in the New Testament, we see some principles that we should be very grateful for. 
In Romans 2, verse 4, Paul says this, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? He says, God is patient. So if any of us sins and is not immediately judged for it, God is showing us kindness. God is showing us patience and forbearance. And what this is meant to do is not lead us to continue to sin in that way, but is meant to pierce our hearts so that we would say, wow, God is holy and I'm deserving of judgment and he did not give it to me immediately. That should lead us to repentance. And yet, as it does in the Israelites case, that's not what it does. They take advantage of it. They presume upon God's mercy and kindness and assume, well, nothing's happened yet, so nothing will happen. But in our last point, we need to get to how this question makes sense. How is it that the wicked can prosper when really they should be judged. Well, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. For the Israelites, yes, they may be prospering right now, but in just a couple chapters, the Babylonians are going to come and conquer Jerusalem. Judgment is coming. See, Jeremiah knew that. He's been prophesying that. But even though judgment is coming, his heart is still hurting. He's still, he's still confused. He still doesn't understand. And there's that, that longing for things to be made right. And they will be. This is why we have to remember that God is righteous. Because if we don't start there, then we can't have confidence that things will be made right. In the end, everyone will receive what they are due. For every word they've said, for every deed they've done, for every thought they've ever had, everyone will receive what they're due. And so we know that judgment is coming for those who live in our day today. So when we are mistreated, we're to take on the mindset of Christ and suffer for the sake of righteousness. But leave that in God's hand because he will make right everything that has ever happened. Either these people will repent and be forgiven of their sin and Jesus will pay the price for all of them and he's already paid that on the cross and the punishment and judgment they were deserving of, Jesus himself has taken for them. Or if they refuse to believe in Christ and accept the gospel and have that forgiveness, they will receive punishment throughout all of eternity as they are due. And as we should have, if we had not received Christ as Savior and he hadn't taken on our sins. And so we're in the in-between right now. We're still in the space where the wicked are prospering, where the treacherous are thriving. And often it is the righteous who are suffering most. You know, Job 
was chosen for the suffering that he experienced because he was the most righteous person in all of the East. Because there was no one in the world who trusted in God and obeyed him like Job did. And as a demonstration of God's glory and Job's faithfulness to his Lord, God allows him to suffer. Many times that happens in our lives. Many times that's the case in the lives of those we love. And like Asaph in Psalm 73, our feet can begin to stumble because we can start to become envious of the arrogant when we see the prosperity of the wicked, like he says in verse 3. We wish our lives were like that now. We wish we didn't have to suffer so much. We wish our, our loved ones didn't have to suffer so much. But don't forget that for those who refuse to accept Christ now, they might have 70, 80, 90 years of the good life here, the best life money could buy. But what is that in light of eternity? And so too for us, as we experience hardship, as we experience suffering, we might look at those who are not going through that and wish we had that right now. But remember that in light of eternity, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, are momentary in light afflictions. Not because he is minimizing the severity of our suffering, but even though our suffering is so severe in comparison to the glory of eternity to come, our afflictions are but light. All suffering in this world will one day come to an end. And so, as we suffer, as our loved ones suffer, we look forward to the day when all of that will be wiped away and the Lord Jesus will make all things new as he has promised. And for those that are prospering now, although they are wicked, we can trust in God who is perfectly righteous and will repay each person according to what they have done. And judgment is coming. Let this give us confidence in who God is and that the world is not out of balance. All the scales will be balanced in the end. But let this also motivate us to be bold to get out and share the gospel with the wicked, with those who don't know Jesus, because you were once like them, just as I was. And the only reason that I will not get the judgment that I am due is because Jesus took it for me. And God desires that all men would come to a knowledge of the truth and repent and be saved.